Hello, and welcome to another episode of Eat the Blank Page with me, Victor Rowe. Hope everyone is enjoying their day, and hopefully I can make it a little bit better. Now, today we're doing something a little bit different. I'm not at the call and whim of some core question I answered early in the week. I haven't been answering a lot of those lately, but instead, we're going to be looking at a thought I have a lot where it's not you know what it's probably wrong to say it's just a thought but a, a set of thinking and a set of it's it's a concept about standards and our relationship to them where something that's hard for us might not be hard for some, someone else and something that's easy for us might not be easy for someone else but might not be exactly what you think I'm talking about also have a little bit of news to catch up on later in the episode along with page eating prompt page eater prompt a page prompt a page prompt that is going to make you face plant into your nearest notebook and start eating all the pages you can it's a page eater prompt so to start out i want to go over my idea of standards and I don't really have a nice title for it. Yeah, it's just standards, I guess. Where, let's say you work 40 hours in a week. And that, to you, is like a lot. If you go and you talk to someone who works 60 hours in a week, and they complain to the 60-hour guy, 60-hour guy has every right to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Especially if they do all the same stuff outside of work. And it doesn't seem to interrupt as much. But then if you put that 40-hour guy with someone who works 20 hours, the 40-hour guy has the exact same relationship with the 20-hour than the 60 does with the 40. And it's like, ooh, 60's a lot. But when you bring someone who then works 80, 100 hours, looking at the 60-hour guy, then it doesn't seem like a lot. Standards within themselves are a way in which we see things based on the examples we choose or what's exactly around them. It's a it's a idea of perspective, of averages and assumed constant constants. I was um in a not really structured way. I, I was watching YouTube and the short came on, it was of uh Dr. Seuss's Yurtle the Turtle. And at the beginning of the story and this is kind of it's kind of a stupid analogy, but I really like it. Um, the beginning of the story, Yertle the turtle is king of pond, and the entire pond is all that we know is there in the story so far. We don't know what's around the pond or where the pond is. And Yertle the turtle is really excited about it, and he's very like he's a proud king, but he's like you know I I need to sit taller. And everything that I see is going to be my kingdom. And I'm going to be king of everything that I do see. So he gets nine of his turtles to act as a throne. So he sits up taller. And now he can see a house and a cow and a donkey and a, and like trees. And he's like, oh, well, now that I can see all of this, these are uh, what I'm king of. And that's an example of his standard being expanded. Where if you were to take any one of the turtles within the pond... And compare them to Yertle, it's like, oh, well, Yertle owns the whole pond, and you don't own anything. But if you go to the farmer, 
who owns the land that the pond is in, and your yurtle doesn't stack up because the farmer owns more. But then you go to the leading political figure of the country, of where the farm is located, and the boss of the farmer, and the corporations that he supplies. And then the power structure gets all muddied, and the standards are, they keep expanding. So choosing what your standards are versus being forced into a standard is also something to kind of keep track of. But you also see that a lot of the times when you start trying to like level up, if you want to call it that, in um in life or in a certain skill set, if you play a certain sport or you want to take a certain video game competitively, if you want to practice a skill or a trade, taking yourself to that next level implies the raising of a standard of yourself. I experienced this in high school when I threw discus, where there was this guy who threw further than everyone else in the division. He was putting up numbers that you'd see in a first division or in a uh, third division, because it's reversed for high schools, where third divisions are the big schools and first divisions are the small schools. I was in the first division, very small school, and I threw discus, and I was I was good, but I this guy, this guy. He was putting up like 160, 170, 180, while I was stuck at 110 and 120. And if you don't know discus, you throw it, and it's calculated by feet. So how far you throw it in terms of feet. So this guy just throws a rocket, just almost hits the fence, and they measure it out. It comes out to be 165. But if you paid attention, like uh, me and my dad did, you would have seen him go up to his dad because it's just a kid. And the dad was mad at him. He was like, you didn't do this and this right with your form. You didn't you didn't look and you didn't follow through and this and that. Tore this guy apart. And he just threw further than anyone else had a dream of throwing. He did better than everyone else. But he was still being disciplined because it wasn't to his standard. Not the father's, not anyone else's. But to the standard of his averages, that throw wasn't good. And you can apply that idea of just because it's better than everyone else's, if it's not near your best or if it's not near your average, then it's bad. You, you did bad. Or on the other side of that, you can ignore what you usually do and appreciate how good you are at something and how far you've come in whatever practice you do, in whatever skill uh, how much money you make. And it's all an option. It's not mandatory of you have to feel grateful or you have to be hard on yourself. It all comes down to your intent with utilizing standards as a form of measurement and what you're trying to get done as far as whatever standards you're trying to set. When you talk to someone who has high standards of themselves in every aspect of their life, it can be daunting to talk to those people. But it's also just as easy to find someone who says the things, but they don't actually. They don't understand what that is. I'm not saying I do. All I'm saying is that there's this guy who, at the place I work, he was hired, and I was in charge of training him. And there's a lot of information thrown at you when you work the position I work in. I work behind the deli, and I make food, but... It's not a difficult job. It's just a lot of things to keep track of. 
and a lot of certain things you have to do that aren't necessarily um, intuitive. Where it's, okay, how do you stack the meat in the fridge? How do you handle the knife? How do you assort the sandwich? All those kinds of things, but they're all integral to the job. So it was all things I had to go over with them. And it is a lot managing the codes, making sure you clean everything properly. It's a lot. It's not hard. It's just a lot. And this guy looks at me after I tell him I don't expect him to remember everything. I'm just going through everything once so he has experience with it. This dude looks at me and goes, I expected of myself. Awesome. You had your cool, like, movie line at a deli. Awesome, man. And it's not the fact that he would say something like that or his intention behind what he's saying that I think is funny. What I think is funny is that it was one of the first times I could recognize when someone wasn't exactly what came out of their mouth. I looked past what he was saying and I saw what he really meant was he was very gung-ho and he was taking it all very seriously. But I think more than anything, he had been used to saying things like that and being either awarded for it or he really did expect it out of himself. It's just that he had never been put down in a certain sense because the next day he absolutely forgot 90% of everything. And I wasn't mad. I just, I had to tell him again. And it was expected with the job because like I said, it's a lot to keep track of. But it was the arrogance of going, I expected myself to remember every single little thing. Cool, if that's what you expect of yourself. But with saying something like that comes the possibility that you're not gonna. And if you really don't, if you really can't do the thing you expect yourself to do, that's setting your expectations too high. That's, it's not a bad thing to set your, ex your expectations for yourself high. An unrealistic expectation is damaging. It doesn't provide progress. In a specific example, Elon Musk's quote of, if you were to do your 20-year plan in six months, what would you do right now? And even if, even th that you can't do your 20-year plan in six months, you're going to be a lot closer to getting it done. Cool. It's a nice workaround. But even there, in that example, he says, you're not going to get done. You're just going to get further along. And you can also see setting your examples like that and like how he did, um, the guy that I was training, kind of pushes you along to doing better than what you're doing, but not to the, to the level or standard that you're setting for yourself, which if you can handle that, cool. But, you know, 99, 99 out of 100 people can't deal with that constant letting yourself down and I'm not saying that you're going to get like depressed or anything it's just constant losses are constant losses no matter if they're big or small now if you fail forward cool but can you mentally keep up with that can you handle letting yourself down all the time because nine times out of 100 99 times out of 100 it affects you uh I saw a clip with Conor McGregor talking about just that of, hey, I'm going to do this and this in the gym, and then you don't do it. Or 
you say, I'm not going to have the sandwich or I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to do that. And then you do it anyway. And even though they're not important, even though they're not significant, it's just those constant losses is what he said contributed to one of his losses. I, I don't know. One of his losses in the MMA, I should say. And he was talking about another fighter who experienced something else like that, where it was the constant small losses and the non-disciplinary things of saying you're going to do one thing and then doing another that had that underlining effect where it was small and it wasn't significant, but it still affected them in a heavy way because of how many times that happened. So while I did appreciate the fact that the person I was training was very, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do the best. Cool. But can you? Can you do all these things that you say you're going to do? Because I'm not going to be disappointed in you because I don't care, but you're going to be disappointed in you. And then you're going to have to carry that burden of, hey, I just failed, but you didn't fail. You're doing something normal, but you're putting your position, you're putting yourself in the position to where you are going to fail because you've created a win-loss scenario, you know? I know plenty of people who have very high standards for themselves. And you can look at plenty of characters in media and stories and books and movies that have these super high standards for themselves, whether they realize it or not. And it's the realizing it or the understanding of scale or the, the understanding of how your standards stack up against everyone else. And then your view on that is what dictates your character in a sense where, oh, I, I know that I'm doing a lot, but even though I know I'm doing a lot, I know I'm doing more than the average person, and I know I'm pushing myself more than everyone else, it doesn't matter because it's my opinion of myself that matters to me. Have I fulfilled what I'm able to fulfill? And a big point of conflict in a lot of stories are people who do that, who set the highest standards for themselves and set high expectations. And I'm sure a lot of people out there do too. And that lead to you disappointing yourself, leading to your own failure because you set the unrealistic expectation of either perfection or just a level of a standard that you aren't ready to fulfill. That is to say you shouldn't aim high. That isn't to say you shouldn't push yourself or anything like that. It's just having high standards is one thing. Having unrealistic expectations or unrealistic standards is a completely other thing. And a big challenge is finding out which one is which. Because you can think something's unrealistic. And then if you genuinely try it out, you'll find out it was just a high standard. It was just a standard in general it was a, it was a basic expectation of yourself and maybe it's easier than you ever gave it credit for but on the flip side if you set an expectation for yourself and you constantly fail it no matter what you do no matter how you try no matter what honest try you give it if you constantly fail it then it is unrealistic for you to expect yourself to get that done or to get that amount done because Every single time you've tried, you failed. So now you expect yourself to fail. Finding that line is important because then once you find that line, you can set up your standards again. You can set up where things lie on your difficulty chart, per se. And once you figure that out, that's when you can start 
setting unrealistic expectations for yourself to push yourself a little further and you can manage yourself with difficult and okay tasks giving yourself the um the occasional easy one if you're trying to grow if you're happy with where you are it's just you're happy with where you are and sometimes life is going to need to pull out more of you than you're willing to give but more times than not that exact moment is when you realize you have more to give you have more ability you have more creativity or strength than you thought of you can work longer than you thought you can try harder than you gave yourself credit for I, I think another big aspect of standards is your openness to change there's a quote that i can't remember who said it but it was don't be so in love with the idea of who you are now because that's going to limit who you can be and i'm sure i butchered it but the whole idea is if you are so obsessed with who you are now you're never going to change because you're satisfied with who you are now you've set your lifelong standard as to say and you've limited your growth by putting by saying no this is it i'm my final version which is never true there's an idea throughout a lot of adventure time and if you've ever seen that show you know it's there's a lot of philosophical debate there's a lot of themes of growth but one of the biggest themes is changing and accepting change being comfortable with other people's change and the change within your yourself and coming to grips with who you are there's an episode following jake after he got turned into like the blue alien guy and he was talking with his brother who painted um abstract art and they had a conversation about it and one of the main quotes that i always see uh reused for shorts is our constant state is that of change we're always changing it's not normal for us to be stagnant it's uh, that's not our natural state of being our natural state of being is one that's always changing and when you become stale or you stop changing that's when you stop being a person that's when you stop being you because no matter what we try to do our natural inclination is to change we we have to force ourselves to be the same person and we don't have to force ourselves to change and we might not notice that we change the change might be slow and gradual but even then it's still there it's still very apparent and that was one of the biggest things that jake in the episode was dealing with was that he was afraid of change and it can always be scary going into change because you feel like there's that lack of control but your perceived control over the situation of who you are and what you think and what you do and the things you like and don't like are completely an illusion it's not you to know yourself there is there's a quote i don't believe it's specifically by alan watts or if it's just like a buddhist saying in general but alan watts is who i heard it from the saying is the knife cannot cut itself the mind cannot know itself and however you want to interpret that i always saw it as we can try very very hard to analyze our thoughts and the way we think about things and our ideas on complicated topics in the pursuit of understanding us more but even if we 
understand our opinions, even if we come to make new re revelations on the way we view things or personal biases that we have that we didn't even consider beforehand, that experience changes us and it just resets the entire the entire situation. So if you're if you're here and you're reaching out for different ideas and understanding viewpoints that you have, the experience of reaching out, grabbing an experience that you have, analyzing it, understanding it literally changes you because you're growing into more of who you are, quote unquote. And it matures you. You make you come to grips with the world in a different way, which then changes you. You see yourself in a different light, which then changes you. It, it, the, it's well, I'm, I'd go around a million times just reviewing that point. But if we're constantly in a state of change, how can we utilize that with our idea of standards? And it's by exposing ourselves to more difficult standards on a more regular basis that we're able to achieve them. Remember the thing about Conor McGregor and he was saying that small victories add up or small defeats add up in the same way small victories add up and even if they're small or even if they're big they add up i'm going to do the dishes and if you do the dishes it's a it's a sense of satisfaction it's a sense of victory the sense that you said you were going to do something and now you get it your standard has increased your reality has increased who you are has changed because of the small victory even if you've done that a million times before you've kept the continuation of that practice which is keeping you who you are in that aspect but if you forget to do it or if you do more of it you also change in that regard so those small victories add up utilizing our standards can give us kind of like um a range to aim for of okay okay i can do i can do level five and i can do level six pretty consistently let's go level seven and i'm going to i'm going to do one level seven and i'm going to do like four or five level fours and fives for your day as far as aspects and or not aspects but as far as expectations go of i'm going to do five different things one of them is going to be level seven because uh four and five is my comfort zone i'm going to do one level seven i'm going to do two fours and then i'm going to do two fives sure you have the majority set up for things that you're able to do you have one thing that's setting yourself outward you have one thing that you're doing that's harder that you're not used to doing that is going to push you that's going to push you further along in the direction that you want to go whether it be oh i want to be able to work longer hours i want to be able to lift heavier weight i want to be i want to be able to run faster i want to be able to read more words per minute i want to be able to read more pages in a sitting anything that you can kind of track in that way whether it just be how long you do it or how much you do it can be uh, manipulated by utilizing your standards and the idea of consistent victories now where i was talking earlier about unrealistic expectation that only comes into play when you start if your comfort zone is four and five and the furthest you can realistically go is seven if you always shoot for 10 
And every single time you fail, yes, one time you might get to 10. But that's only because every time you go for 10, you push yourself further along a little bit. And from what I've noticed or seen in people and seen it for myself, going one level above and then completing that task moves you along that spectrum faster than it is, I'm going to shoot for 10 when you're a four or five, I'm going to shoot for 10. And then you move up like a half step and then you shoot for 10 half step and you're getting so many losses. You're never able to actually do it. So your mental starts going down, your self-confidence starts going down, your probability that you're going to continue on that path goes down because you're always setting yourself up for failure no matter what, because you can't do that. And if you go one step ahead and then you move one step ahead and then you move, that'll take you faster along the path to getting to that level 10. It's just as people, the, the, the longer... I view other people and the longer I view myself, the more I understand that we suck at setting our range and are extremely bad at understanding just how much we can do and how hard we can work or how long we can work, how complicated of a thought we can process, how difficult of a game we can complete. We're trash at knowing our actual limits. So... That's where you always see people either pushing themselves too far or not far enough, where you'll have someone who is extraordinarily gifted in something or even just further along than they might think. And they'll be sitting there and saying, I can't do this and I can't work that hard or I can't work that many hours. I couldn't possibly set this up. I couldn't do, I can't do this today. I have to. I have to give myself five days and then I'll be able to do the sixth and then the seventh I'm going to recover. And it's just, it's ridiculous because they're setting their examples or they're setting their standards for what they're able to do and what they're not able to do based off of very old information where they've stuck to that, they've stuck to that, that graph of standards or that, um, leveling of standards for so long that they've grown to the point where it doesn't apply to them anymore. A level 10 back then is now level four or five. And they have all of this inside of them. It's just that they've never been able to outstretch either their mental capacity, their understanding for themselves or their physical, where they absolutely have the ability to go to a level seven, but they're being stuck at what they think is a level 10. It's they it's the misconception of the scale and tr and honestly misunderstanding what they are and aren't able to do is a big trap that I see people fall into even myself all the time all the all the time and you always hear about these events that push people past what they think they're able to do that are very serious um let's say you have a kid let's say you break a leg let's say you crash the car or whatever it may be that requires you to do a lot more than you were, you were doing. Think much harder about something that you were doing or whatever it may be that just requires the more out of you. More often than not, we find that we're able to give that. The call to action, let's say, is exactly what you need to 
find what your standards are again. You always have this dormant potential inside most of us because we don't have that external pressure to squeeze it out of us. It's very hard to go to a level 10 just by yourself and push yourself to the further edges of what you're capable of because it's it's easy to get to the level 10 end of your difficulty spectrum when it's something else forcing you to there is no option there is no oh i'll just go to level eight when you need life it's life or death and you need to go to 10 you go to 10 here's an example i don't know if you ever heard of the phrase burn your boats but there was a fleet of i believe they're conquistadors um conquerors from spain who landed in ancient uh Mexico and they encountered the Aztecs and the Mayans and all that and they just slaughtered them but the Mayans and the Aztecs were crazy crazy individuals who wore pelts of cheetahs and used obsidian weapons and stuff so the, the Spanish were definitely um pretty scared and they had low morale they were thought they were talking about leaving they're going back to Spain abandoning the new world all this stuff and in the craziest military move ever, the general or the commander, uh, I'll link a video at the um, in the description on YouTube if you want to watch the video on this. It's, it's crazy. He says, uh, no, we're here to do a job and we're going to do it. And everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. We're just going to go back. Uh, the boats are right there. He burns the boats. He torches the only way they can get home. There are no roads. There's no cell phones. There's no flight. You're fucking leaving for Spain in two hours. Those boats were the only ways they could get back to their homes. And he torched the boats. So now the only option to survive is to take over the island, is to take over the land, is to set up a shop, set up a fort, set up supplies and weapons and manage everything and it's that situation of there is no other option genuinely no other option is when you pull that dormant potential out of you if you want to say it like really artsy you say dormant potential um you just pull that ability out of you because you can try to put yourself in that mindset of okay there's no other option there's no other option i, I gotta do this there's, there's no other option but if there is, you know there is. You know that there's absolutely something acting as a safety net. But when you don't have one, or you don't think you do, or you know you don't, that's when that phenomenon actually takes place. But you can also see the inverse of that situation in weightlifting and just safety expectations in general, where... If someone's doing a gymnastics routine and they don't think, they don't know, that, well, okay, they don't think that there's a net, meaning in their mind, they truly believe that there isn't a net there. That's what I mean by think, but there actually is one. They're able to pull out that potential because they don't know about the net. They think if they fall, they're going to get hurt. Um, if you want another example that's opposite of that. If you've ever seen the videos of the old construction workers in New York and they're just like 
walking along the beams and stuff. No harness, no clips, no net, no nothing. And the standard that is set in that workers' union or that job is that you're able to just monkey around on uh, construction beams and steel bars and stuff. That's the standard. You're not special for being able to do that because everyone else does that. And if you're going to work this job and you're going to get paid to do the thing, you need to be able to monkey around on some uh, some, some big beams thousands of feet in the, in the air. Now, you can also do this with uh, weightlifting. If my, um, my old gym partner did this to me a lot where I'll be setting up for a bench press and I think I'm pushing, let's say, 100 pounds. But without my noticing, they put on an extra five on each side, so an extra 10 pounds overall. And when I would lift it, in my head, I'm lifting 100 pounds. It just feels a little heavier, but it's not, it, that doesn't matter. And let's say like my max is 100 or, or the max amount of weight that I can do for that exercise is 100 pounds. If they put on 10 more pounds, it's a 10% increase. And it's more than I think I'm able to do. But because I believe it's something I'm able to do genuinely, not a motivational thing I say to myself, not some video or someone else being like, you can do anything. If you genuinely believe that you are able to do, let's say the weight, or you're able to push the weight off of you, then no matter how heavy it feels, you know you're able to do it. No, being in quotes. But then I would actually do it. And those were the times I made the biggest increases in weight. And even if I knew about them doing that sometimes, when they would do it, and when I was in the situation of, I need to perform the exercise, that never crossed my mind. It was always the same result of, I'm doing a weight that I know I can do, which is a false statement because they put on extra weight. And then miraculously, I'm able to do the heavier weight that I didn't think I was able to do. But because I gave like a genuine effort and my entire goal was to complete the exercise, then that that's what I was able to do. And so standards, when you look at it like that as kind of a scale or a tool to use to increase or decrease what you're able to do. One of the biggest factors that come into standards is your own personal belief in what you can and can't do. And like I said, we are the worst judges of that on every regard. We have a good sense of what we can and can't do when we honestly test the limits of it. Honestly, not say we are and we always know when we're lying but if you don't have those examples or you don't have a situation that you put yourself in whether it be for personal projects work family affairs whatever you might be applying your standard to if you don't have any example of difficulty or of trying something or something that you can just judge your ability on you can't apply it just can't there's no way you could well there is but there's no honest or reasonable way you could attribute um a difficulty scale to what you're doing because you don't know there is no way for you to know because you, you know you didn't test it and keeping in that idea that we're always changing and always it doesn't always have to be for um 
it always it doesn't always have to be for the better or for the worse that we are changing since we are constantly evaluating our ability whether it be in difficulty or longevity it is important to keep that mental uh scale of what we are and aren't able to accomplish and sometimes you just need to get fed up and set really high standards for yourself for a day or for a week or for a month and really push yourself even if you don't think you can to do it really go for that goal and if you're able to do it easier than you thought then you're able to update your scale if it's way harder than you thought you're able to update your scale but it's all about personal accountability in honestly evaluating where you lie on that kind of chart but yeah so that rant aside <laughs> you know i i can tell i'm gonna tell a short story where it was it was when i went to go see uh the whale the movie uh with brendan fraser it was the first time i had went to the movies in had to be had to be four or five years and i went by myself in the baggiest clothes i could and i got the closest not i got maybe the third row from the screen so i was the closest person in the entire theater so i was the only i was also the only person in my row so in a sense like i felt like i was by myself but my movie theater is the one with like the reclining seats with like the cushions and it's like a big recliner and it was it was very very cool but i I watched the movie and there's this scene that I still think about to this day. And I know it didn't come out like a long time ago, but it was the scene, spoilers, about halfway through the movie or no, it was, it was closer to the end where this pizza delivery guy had been, I should probably explain the premise. The, the whale is about this um, obese man on the whack the last week of his life and making amends with people in his family and you learn about his story and the things that have happened and it's extremely depressing but throughout the entire story he tackles everything with a smile and a laugh and it's immensely depressing but you see what you think is hope in the main guy brennan frazier's character but you come to realize that everyone in the story has a different side to them where you meet this kind of like Catholic priest church guy and you think he's all about positivity and stuff, but you see that his beliefs are grounded in a toxic morality. You meet the wife who you expect to be this horrible person who left him and all this stuff just to realize that Brendan Fraser's character cheated on the wife and she left because of it. And it was with another guy or another man, I should say. And you meet the daughter who Brendan Fraser's character loves unconditionally, just completely is obsessed with his daughter. And within the last week of his life is trying to make amends with her because she, he feels like he did her wrong and everything. And she turns out to be a completely just a really bad person that manipulates Brendan Fraser's character that lies to the mom that in the movie's way of being like ooh they're a bad person like she does drugs and she forces the uh, not forces but she convinces the Catholic guy to like do drugs with her and stuff and 
every turn you see Brendan Fraser's character being like, yep, you know, just another thing, just tough. And the only character who is consistent throughout the entire movie is this pizza delivery guy who you don't see until this scene. It's always just a voice on the other side of the door. And that was intentional because the third time in the movie that he shows up and they like know each other. The first time, it's just a normal whatever. Second time, the guy introduces himself because there's like a time skip and it had been plenty of times before. But he's like, oh, hey, my name's like Tony, by the way. You know, I, I deliver here all the time. And he's like, oh, mine's Mike. I forget the guy's actual name. But <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a scene where the Brandon Fraser character's already going through it. And the pizza delivery guy shows up. And he stayed to see Brennan Fraser. And a big theme in the story is like, he doesn't like people seeing who he is. And when this consistent person breaked the cycle of their consistency and saw who the main character was, or how heavy he actually was, how big he was, how difficult it was for him to even just get to the door and open it and grab the pizza. The pizza, guy, the pizza delivery guy almost runs away when Brendan Fraser's character shows up and the the following like five to ten minutes is just this complete breakdown from Brendan Fraser's character just going against everything they've been trying to do burning every bridge a big thing in the story was that it, like he's got to lose weight got to lose weight got to lose weight and it, he just slams his hand in the middle of the pizza balls it up starts eating it like that opens up like a jar of peanut butter scooping it out with his hands is like throwing a bunch of food into his bed lying down and just endlessly eating and it was just this complete deconstruction of the main character's psyche just having this breakdown just this dive into the um, this dive and deprivation of just abandoning the hope, abandoning the progress, and going into the negative. Like, diving into the despair of the situation. Throwing caution to the wind. Just going with his base intent and his his basic instinct of, I'm going to eat this food that tastes good, and ignoring the things he should be doing because of how angry he is and because of how lost he feels. And I remember crying in the theater, but crying even more after the fact, just because of how relatable that scene felt. Because you always see in these movies where the main character has a positive outlook on life that right when you think things are going to start getting better, right when you think the main character is like really pulling himself up by his bootstraps and moving on with the challenges that were at the beginning and the middle of the movie. And after his ex-wife, his daughter, his only friend who was his nurse, um, the, the Christian guy who's trying to like bring him to Jesus or something, after all of these horrible events happen and fights and drama and backstabbing and lying and deceit, he still maintained this positive outlook on life and this positive attitude in general and it was the smallest 
interaction he had in his day that when that was taken away and when the only person you could consider the only person you could consider to be his his actual friend someone who didn't judge him at all because he couldn't see who he was changes that script sets a new standard and sees Brendan Fraser's character runs away in disgust it's the final straw of the million that was placed onto his back and he breaks it makes so much sense on a like a, a personal and a human level that it's not the giant event that breaks you it's not the giant event that throws you into a, the well of despair it's it's the little tweak of the consistent experience that just sends you and it, it's the most memorable part of the entire movie to me of which there were plenty of memorable parts but i just i just really wanted to tell that story i, I thought i thought it was an amazing thought it was an amazing movie but with that all out of the way it's time for news so i've been chaining up the socials if you look in the description if you're on youtube there is a link to my link tree that has all of my links you see how many links there are it's like a chain and if you go there it's gonna be completely separate from my victor rose stories content it's all gonna be the blank page it's where you can find the specific tiktok instagram and youtube for everything that i put out eat the blank page and also has a link to everything Victor of Stories. If you're here for my um, horror short stories, if you're here for book re recommendations or reviews, it's all going to be over there. It's going to be two separate entities in a sense. But that is what's going on with that. If you're looking for the certain content and you're like, oh, my God, where did we go? That's where it went. So just as a heads up, I hope everyone adjusts accordingly. And... Um, you know, resubs. A little scary, but it needed to be done. But with all of that, I hope everyone has had a wonderful time. I hope you're, I made your day a little bit better and gave you something to think about. What am I talking about? We didn't even get to the best part. That's right. The page eating prompt, page eater prompt, prompt eat. Today's page eater prompt is brought to you by Quora me writing answers it was this guy who was asking for a nice lead to a zombie story and i gave him something that wasn't that so here, here's the beginning of the story for you guys in a town next to a warehouse there's been reports of a giant deep sound resonating from the building and there's also been tractor trailers and Mack trucks that randomly appear in the parking lot of the manufacturer of the um the factory but this is a post-apocalyptic world it doesn't make any sense and no one sees the trucks get there from the settlement that you're in so you and a couple of your buddies go and check it out and when you get there you find that there's no signs that anyone's been there for a while you open up the front door and everything is packed with filing cabinets and equipment and just metal everywhere and so you crawl through it all and there's this giant rhythmic boom 
coming from deeper inside of the uh, warehouse. And so you're crawling and you're trying to make your way through it and you get into the main room and it's huge. And from further on the other side, it comes again and it just shakes you. It rattles everything in the, um, in the warehouse. And the further you go, the more of a path starts to form. And when you look down, because you're on like all this rubble, you find that there's this giant hole on the other part of the, uh, the warehouse and it goes down for hundreds of stories. And on the, along the walls of the hole are levels and floors where there's just hundreds of these zombies with blue glowing eyes. And you've never seen anything like that before. And then with another boom, giant noise up from the center comes flying is a, is a, um, is a Mack truck itself coming straight out from the hole and crashes through the ceiling and there's this giant roar that spawns all of the other zombies to start roaring as well and that's the beginning of the story and i hope everyone has a wonderful time with that <laughs> i'm trying to find a nice balance point in between too little and too much information so along with teresa's ghastly teresa's ghostly admirer last week i'm already seeing some good um responses to that very excited to see what comes out of it i hope you guys have just as much fun with this one i definitely give you a little bit more but i'm sure you guys will surprise me nonetheless but that's all we have for time for today hope everyone has had a wonderful time and that i've given you something to think about but yeah that's pretty much it bye